Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you on the podcast with us this week. Jennifer Bartlett. That is me. Robbie Croyle. Hello. And myself, Logan. We are here. We are rearing and ready to go mm-hmm. with all the footnotey goodness yeah, that you guys crave and desire. The people just rave. They're like, we need more footnotes. My mom calls me every week. When's we footnotes going to be up? goodness. The answer is we never know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure for the last two weeks, it's been up uh, Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Mountain time. I, who can know these things? Who can know these things? 6 a.m. Marguerite time. Okay. Just I'm just throwing it out there. I think I think the last two weeks it's been it has been on schedule. Well done, sir. Nevertheless. We have a shortcoming to talk about here. And yeah, it's it's a real minor shortcoming, I'm gonna be honest. I'm nitpicking here, but it was I had to listen to it. I was I was putting the podcast up uh-huh. for the sermon recording. And I was listening and it, and you know, every once in a while, I'll do a double take with something Rob will say. And I'm like, "What?" And then every once in a while, we get a golden little little nugget in which I do a quadruple take. Ooh! In Ooh. which I have to go back and listen to it four times to really savor and fully <laughs> comprehend, chew, digest mm, mm-hmm. the moment. So this falls later in the sermon. Do tell. Do you're tell. talking. Uh, I believe in your in your action items. Yep. And yep. Rob, you come across the phrase uh, dealing with the log in our own what? I. That is uh, dealing with the log in our own eye. Now you kind of got caught up. You you got a little tongue tied on this one. Rolling into the statement, and you could hear it right at the beginning. It was like if you had a gymnast doing a, uh, a a vault, and they started off, and their foot slipped as they started running off down the mat, and you're like, "Oh, this isn't going to end well." That's uh, that's the picture I want you to have in your head, because Rob he came down the stretch and he hit the vault, and he said, "Deal with the log in your own in our own lie." That is the that is the phrase. The deal with the log in our own lie. And it was so close because it rhymed. And it, it totally it totally worked. And I listened to it. I was like, wait, did he say? And, and I just kind of auto-changed it to I, but I knew something wasn't right. And so then I had to go back and I listened. And I was like, wait, did he? Did he actually mean lie? You know, listen to it again. Did he just misspeak it? Did, no, did he mean it? It caused me to pause mm. greatly yeah. and contemplate what exactly Rob was talking about. And in the end, I came to the conclusion that he did just misspeak and say lie, as opposed to I. Yeah, you tell no lies. And it was fantastic. That is amazing. It was was pretty... I had a chuckle, or two, or three, for 30 seconds or so. It was a beautiful moment. (sighs) So there you go. Just in case anyone was confused. (laughs) Roughly right. There we go. (laughs) I mean, if that's your only shortcoming this I week, mean, well done. There you go. 
that's all right. That's all right. That's not doing too bad. Gold star for you. I'd that's still, batting yeah. like 999.99 right mm-hmm. there. That's a thing, right? Yeah, that probably wasn't true either, but we'll <laughs> run with that. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was good fun though. All right. Well, let's uh that's enough that's enough shortcoming shenanigans. Let's dive into some footnoty goodness. Yeah. Let's bum, do that. Bum, ba, Reasons for not having spiritual conversations. Now, Rob, you just came back from a uh, a little bit of a, a jaunt down to the southern the southern part of the United States. Yeah. Where you went to a conference put on by uh, a cloud? Townsend and Cloud. Oh. Just airy. Oh, my gosh. A cloudy town? I, I don't know. That would be Seattle. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> Nevertheless, Townsend and Cloud. And you learned a couple things. I did. And uh, Dr. Townsend was talking one day about some of the reasons why we won't confront, why we don't like co- dealing with conflict. And and I got to thinking that there's some probably parallels here to reasons for not having sp- spiritual conversations. Ah. Mm-hmm. So he's got some reasons why we don't have conflict, like bring up hard conversations in conflict. Right. And you make the connection to spiritual conversations. Right. All right, all right, all right. So he, prese- he presents three ideas. Uh, first is this fear of loss of relationship. Okay. The second is the fear of conflict. Okay. And the third is feelings of guilt. All right, all right. So, yeah, it just seemed to me as I was thinking about, you know, like some things I've heard our people say, some things that I've felt when I've been afraid to have that conversation. With these three different... These three, yeah. yeah. These three either either things feel, that get in the feelings way of, of guilt, you know, just going backwards, feelings of guilt, like, like I think in terms of, man, have I lived my life in a way that represents Christ well with this person? Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, are they going to, are they going to take my testimony there? Are they going to accept my words. If I talk about God, I'm going to come off as a big hypocrite because last week I was, or or years and years ago. Yeah, just sure. Okay, and, and and not necessarily that the feelings are accurate. Okay, but but these feelings just kind of get in the way, mm-hmm. you know, because of my past. Yeah. Okay. Now Townsend says that we need to modify our internal judge. Okay, what does that mean? So that means that, you know, that narrative that we have, and we talk, I talked about this a little bit in the sermon, that that's sometimes the person that, that's judging me the most mm-hmm. lives inside me. Mm, okay. And so I need to modify the way I communicate about myself. I need to, I'm probably, you know, if this is the reason that's getting in the way of me talking about my relationship with Christ, I'm probably talking about myself. That internal judge is probably out of balance. Hmm. I'm probably talking about myself in ways that I wouldn't talk about other people. I'm judging myself more to harder standards than I would maybe other people. Gotcha. Although I do believe that if we have this internal judge working all the time, that eventually 
it's going to bleed over into other parts of our lives. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That I won't just judge myself, but eventually, because... Because I'm, I'm judging myself so harshly, I'm now going to judge other people also that harshly. Or or or, or or harsher than... Than I should. Than I should. Okay. Hmm. All right, all right. Uh, so, and then just going backwards on this list, so that was feelings of guilt, fear of conflict. Okay. Um, you know, we learned boundaries of conflict when we were children, and and sometimes that was put on display really well within our family. Sometimes it wasn't. Mm. If you have uh, family experience where uh, where your parents were were passive, mm-hmm. that's going to sway the way you see conflict. Or if someone is super aggressive, and, and typically you'd, you'd actually have, um, well, you're going to have either both parents passive, both aggressive, or one passive, one aggressive. That's Those are usually mm-hmm. the combinations that we have. Sure. And so we've learned a fear of conflict, and uh, thus that translates into having these spiritual conversations. I'm afraid of having them because it might be... It might seem con- it might seem like conflict, or yeah, either we're afraid that we're going to act out the way that the conversation is going to go go the way that we've seen other conversations go. Mm. Is that expecting? Is that expecting the the spiritual conversation to be a conflict? Go negatively. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. All right. All right. Um, and, and one of the things that Townsend talks about is that we need to be careful about fragilizing. This is his word. I like it. Uh, that's assuming people are more fragile than they are. Ah. And he says, honestly, only about 1% of the population is is actually fragile. Hmm. How are they all millennials? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, no. They're not. They're Gen Zers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> are we be- are are millennials becoming that? We're we're gonna do that. We're doing that now. I I mean I live with a Gen Zer, so I have firsthand knowledge. Oh. <laughs> are Gen Zers the new millennials? Absolutely. Okay. Oh yeah, that's a thing. They're the new snowflakes. Uh huh. We've progressed the baton. Yeah. Oh, got past the baton or something. But I don't want to. It's my participation baton. That was a a layered joke. My. Favorite Instagram guy right now. He makes these short videos. He's a millennial. He's a Gen Zer. He's a Gen Xer. And sure. every once in a while, a boomer will come in. And j- just the way he nails each generation is just, just holes them right. Mm. gold. Like, mm. yeah. You can dig it. All right, all right. So, with the fear of conflict, what Dr. Townsend recommends is that you act it out. You you work with someone, you act out the scene, you 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 have one role play one person, the other role play the other person. Sure. And and you just take it for a test drive. Take the conversation for a test drive and 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 start to build some confidence that you could actually have the conversation in a way that is helpful. And and, and if you do this with a mentor you act it out with the mentor, then the mentor could say, yeah, you were a little strong there. 
Now, so question on this is that it seems like, so as you're describing this, this is a two-person operation. This is not a Smeagol and Gollum having a conversation with myself. No, this is working with this someone is, that... This is different than that, correct? This, yeah, this is, if you if you did not have healthy representation of what of how to work through conflict and how to have those conversations mm-hmm. in, in a meaningful way, in a healthy way, if that was your experience, and you think that this conversation is going to bring conflict, whether it's a spiritual conversation or you're confronting some other issue, uh, and, and especially when we're talking about, like, sometimes we don't, when someone we're dealing with someone with history, we're like, man, I feel like I need to have this conversation, but uh, I got this in the way, and so mm-hmm. how do I get past this? Well, this is how you gain those skills of dealing with conflict. That's how you gain the skills with someone that actually has the skills. Mm-hmm. It's by practicing it with, with somebody else. It's practice. Practice, right, practice, right. practice. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. And then the last one is fear of relationship. And... Um, I've seen uh, some situations where people actually have lost relationship because they confronted. Um, I've even seen when people have, have lost relationship because they had this conversation, the spiritual conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, more often than not, that loss of relationship was minimal. The time was minimal. Mm. So I think that's important to understand. Uh, but the the prescription that Dr. Townsend prescribed is this: that you you build yourself a life team. You have a group of people, three to ten people, that you can be vulnerable with, that uh, you'll experience grace through, that they'll be truthful with you. Mm. And by having that core group, you can face those hard conversations, knowing that. I may lose this relationship mm-hmm. over here, but I've got this in my back pocket, this other rela- set of relationships that are solid. And, and I think that's in our care groups and our life transforming groups, those are the kinds of relationships that we are trying to build. Mm. Right. But these are the kind of relationships that we need to build on a regular basis. Like th- this takes work sure. to build this kind of uh, community and connectivity, but if I can imagine someone to build those three to ten, yeah, to build that three to ten, I can yeah. imagine someone that comes out of a life of addiction, right, and and all their friends mm-hmm. have been part of the addiction process, mm. right, part of the addiction problem. Sure. Well, are they, you know, the the fear of loss of relationship can be real and significant. Okay, so I'm afraid of losing out on that relationship that I've got with them, and so I won't have the spiritual conversations? Right. Okay. Until we give them that replacement community. Mm. Right. So if we don't, in, in particular with addicts, but if you, you know, we get people that move move in the town, we get people that come to Missoula for going to college, 
you know, if they don't have that core group that's part of their life, that fear of loss of relationship can really drive whether or not they deal with conflict, whether they have spiritual conversations. Hmm. Okay. Right, because you have to feel like you have a safety net to fall into if you're having these hard conversations, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. Makes sense. Logically, fits in my brain. What... But then the next, the, so if I if I've got those strong six, you know, I got that core group. That's those are my people that I'm willing to have a spiritual conversation with Joe Barista at the coffee shop, right? Like because I'm not hinging my because I've got those six strong relationships. The relationship with Joe Barista at the coffee shop is not as paramount to my emotional well being, mm-hmm. perhaps. Right. Okay. So that that makes sense, checks out totally. Uh, although it does give me a, a little bit of a feeling of like, well, maybe I'm just I'm just devaluing other relationships. But that's probably not an unhealthy thing to say. I've got these six valuable, and so therefore I can I'm gonna let everything else not be quite as impactful on my life. That might actually be a a healthy balance, dare mm-hmm. I say? Uh, but my question then is what happens if what happens when it arises that we need to have a spiritual conversation or a or a conflict conversation within those six or the three to ten group? Does that well in building that that group depends on one having common values. Okay. But if you're gonna if you're gonna maintain that group, if you're gonna maintain those relationships, and you do value them, mm-hmm. then you do have to fight for the relationships to to maintain the elements that made them significant in the first place. Mm. Hmm. Like, so does that change the, the 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 level that those relationships have reached? The depth, maybe, is a better term. The depth of those relationships is going to the quality. The quality, yeah, of those relationships is going to have a um, have an effect, uh, or have a, a factor. Maybe it's going to factor into those spiritual conversations differently that it'll have an X factor that the Joe Barista conversation wouldn't have otherwise had. Yeah, if if you think this in terms of, uh, you know, you have uh, in your wallet, you have spending cash. Okay. And then in your bank account, savings account, you've got you got some short-term savings there. Sure. Uh, these kinds of relationships that we're talking about, these are your, this is your long-term savings account. Mm. You know, and so Joe Barista, he's he's walking, that's the... That's your spending cash. That's spending cash. Like, this, that level of relationship. Now, someday that relationship might end up being more significant. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you could you could invest in that relationship to the point where, you know, you're recruiting Joe Barista for your life team. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Okay. Okay. But if your retirement account is starting to dwindle, you you, you need to evaluate what's going on there. You can't just ignore it. Mm-hmm. For the millennials in the room, that's when we stop eating avocado to toast. That was, a, that was a joke. I love avocado toast. Well, yeah, that's because you're a boomer and have long-term savings. We don't a, get these things. I'm not a boomer. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. And just I kidding. don't have long-term <laughs> savings. <laughs> Strike two. Oh, well, that the <laughs> correlation continues. Avocado toast lover, no long-term savings. Yeah. <laughs> we've, fan, we've found the bandit. <laughs> Vision avocado toast wearing a cape and a mask and sneaking into your house. In the All I can think is swipe or no swiping. <laughs> <laughs> toast, no swiping. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. Um, I think there's a different like emotional uh, or relational <laughs> equity that you have with people that are in your c- close core group too. Like mm. The conflict that Joe Barista can withstand is going to be a lot different than what my core group can stand, like, mm. or the spiritual conversations, because we have this, like, hopefully we have a longevity and a, like... The depth, the quality of the connection, sure. Right, yeah. Yeah, worst case is that you have this these deep spiritual convictions, like uh, like we do in this room, like we... Sure. These are significant to us. But you build your core team of a group of people that absolutely none of them share, share in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's a part of you that you're not able to share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really hard. There's a part of you that you can't have that conversation. Yeah, that's difficult. Yeah, I dip that I've been there, done that. That is that is really that, and that those don't actually those don't weather the the stretching of the spiritual conversation. Those ten, I'm 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 picturing rubber bands in my head. The strength of that rubber band of connection is is much closer to Joe Barista's rubber band than uh, than some long term mm-hmm. heavy duty rubber band. So, hmm. all right, I like that makes sense yeah all right so some possible reasons get real quick here let's sum up that list again three times some three possible reasons we might not have spiritual conversations so you may have fear of lost relationship and if that's the case you need to develop your life team your core group okay three to ten people uh fear of conflict if that's the case then uh sit down with a mentor and just kind of act out the this conversation that Figure you need out. to have okay. and and pick up some tools for conflict, for having those hard conversations or those spiritual conversations. Okay. And then feelings of guilt, maybe uh, judging yourself, uh, having that internal judge kind of uh, telling you you can't do this because of... Uh, because of your abilities, because of your lifestyle, because of your past, because of mistakes, because of whatever. 
and and you have to modify that internal judge. Gotcha. Cool. Good stuff. Dope. Let's talk. Let's talk about a fig tree. A fig tree, figuratively. So <laughs> David Stern, he's a commentator on the New Testament. And he says this. Um, As opposed to Henry Lacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he refers to Jesus as Yeshua. So he says, uh, in these verses, Yeshua shows us how patient God is with wayward humanity in general. However, the fig tree metaphor is frequently used in the Tanakh, which is the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's frequently used in the Tanakh and also in uh, Matthew twenty-one eighteen through 22. Uh, that's when Jesus... Curses the fig tree. Yep. Throws down on it. To represent the Jewish people. Um, to rep- The fig tree represents the Jewish people. Okay. Who are expected to bear fruit by leaving, leading righteous lives and by communicating God's truth to the other nations of the world. And so... Um, so we need to understand that even though we're we're applying this to ourselves mm-hmm. and to and to our discipleship conversations, there's an element of this that the hearers would have heard. Oh, wait a minute! He's talking about Israel as a whole. Mm-hmm. And and what's the solution, right? Because up to this point, uh, there were judges, and then there were prophets. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, nope, at this point, someone's going to get their hands dirty. And and that's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he's going to pr- provide fertilizer. And he's going to spend another year. Um, in the Old Testament, the the fig tree is a is a prominent part of the picture in Deut- Deuteronomy 8. Um, they're told that uh, they're being taken to the land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Okay. And so fig trees are is a picture of bounty. Okay. Um, in 1 Kings 4.25... Now, figs are really sweet, right? Yep. It's like... Uh, I, I vaguely remember, I, I can't remember, from Marty, Ray, Vanderlyn, or somebody else talking that that was like the candy of yep. the Middle East. Yep. That would have been like the candy of Jesus' day was the figs. Yeah. Was it Baccarat? I, I, I don't remember. I think I'm saying that right. That was good stuff. Okay. However you say it. Okay. So you, you've, you've, you've had that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Are they are they small and spherical? Yes. Oh, son of a bee sting. But they, they, they basically they get smashed and. Oh, well that's fine. Yeah. All right. I thought they were like this size. Well, that's relatively small. That was like a golf ball size, right? Yeah. yeah. 
you, you realize we're on a podcast and people can't hear <laughs> or people can't see what we're doing with our hands. Well, you know what? I was trying to get you guys to see because that, in my <laughs> mind, is not small and spherical and you can choke hazard. It's not choke hazard. I mean. Then you should be fine, Logan. That we're, we're once. Mm, okay. <laughs> it's okay. So nevertheless, uh, things are super sweet. It's a little bit bigger than the size of a cutie. Okay. Uh, that's a decent size. Yeah, that would be out of. That's out of the dating. That's out of the danger zone. I didn't know choking was your. <laughs> it's not. Uh, that's not. Um, Jen is making that up. But you know, this is how rumors spread. It's fine. I also don't want to field this conversation. Well, I'll leave but, it alone you know, it's for fine. now. I brought it on myself. So, <laughs> so pressing on. Um, in First Kings four twenty five, we're told that Judah and Israel lived in safety. Every man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Okay. And so the fig tree representing safety, security, uh, blessing. Mm. Provision. Second uh, Kings 18.31, this is also repeated in Isaiah. Uh, Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with mm. me and come out to me. And eat each of his vine and each of his fig tree. Oh, yeah, that's right. Hmm. And drink each of the waters of his own cistern. So you're going to know plenty. You're going to know bounty if you just bow yourself to the king of Assyria. And then Hosea 2.12 says, I will destroy her vines and fig trees of which he said, these are my wages which my lovers have given me and will make them a force, and the beasts of the field will devour them. Hmm. And just connecting just this idea of bounty and what is it that you're chasing? Are you chasing things that draw you closer to God or take you away? Hmm. Dope. So just some of the thoughts. It's a little, uh, little extra tasty goodness about the fig tree. Yeah. yeah. Makes me want to get fig newtons for like care group or something. I do oh, like I love fig I newtons. I do like fig newtons. Big fan. Yeah. My dad loved fig newtons, and so I do. Hmm. One of those things. My grandma liked those. All right, all right. Rob, tell me about the problem with three. Is it just because it's not four? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's the that's yeah. that's the problem with three. I'm looking at it on the board. I I, I don't know where this is going to go. All right, I'm all right, curious. all right, all right. Color me intrigued or intrigued. So this Luke 13 passage. <laughs> That was so dumb, but I laugh anyway. <laughs> she tried not to. That was a, that was a valiant effort. <laughs> yeah, I just pressed on. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah. I just go for the low-hanging figs. So uh, Luke 13 was our story, and it says, A man with a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vine keeper, Behold, 
for three years, I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Okay. The uh, the interesting thing is an Israelite wouldn't be looking for fruit, or at least wouldn't be trying to eat the fruit within the first three years. This is like three years after the tree's been planted? So Leviticus 19 says this, When you enter the land and plant all kinds of trees for food, then you should count their fruit as forbidden. Three years it shall be forbidden to you. It shall not be eaten. But in the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. So you're not even, you're not eating the fruit for the first three years. You're not doing anything with the fruit for the first three years. The fourth year, all the fruit is an offering to the Lord. It's year five Hmm. before you're eating any fruit. Interesting. Okay. And so, one, I, I, I don't know anything about fig trees. I don't know how quickly they produce figs. But was someone looking for fruit in the wrong season? Was someone expecting fruit prematurely? That's a question that I've got. Mm-hmm. And this 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 judge, this this owner, this this person that is expecting something. Like doesn't even seem to respect <coughs> Torah. Right. According to HGTV. Who? <laughs> home and Garden Television. Oh, Home and Garden Television. All right. So not a religious site, which in this case I feel like gives it yeah, yeah almost it a little more credence. Like this is just people that are growing the fruit. Yeah. Uh says uh, figs typically form a new stem growth each year, even months later. Most fig trees take three to five years to start ripening fruit. There you go. So. I mean, come on. (laughs) Uh, Uh. That's why I love HGTV. So what if that's cool too? What if sometimes we expect fruit out of people without oh without before their time before their time without actually like the the idea of spiritual growth is all about time and relationship Mm. and getting your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. Yep, they're they're you just can't separate them. Yeah. See, and my and and the, even that that's fast in my mind, because I remember we had a lemon tree, we had a little lemon tree in my mom's like atrium, like in southern Idaho. We tried to we had this lemon tree, and we didn't even plant it. We bought it as a sapling, but it was it was I think it was a yearling. Like it, within the last year, it had been planted, so not very old. I think it was probably. This is a long time ago, and I was young and didn't really pay attention. So it might have been, might have been less, but I feel like it was probably a good six, maybe seven years. Like I, but I do remember when it finally made a lemon. 
We were stoked. <laughs> it was a very exciting time to be alive. And then we got that lemon off the tree, and it was terrible. What? It was not a very good lemon. The very first one? No. I it had not yet learned sense. how to produce fruit. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So this totally makes sense in my mind. Like this is the, I, I, but just still the three, it definitely was not three years. Yeah. I, I would, unless I was making things up from my childhood here and I'm just remembering the size of cups wrong or something. Right. Mm. Which I, has been known to happen. I, I've heard stories. So. But nevertheless, yeah, the, the this three to five. Yeah, mm, I like that. It's not there. They haven't developed yet. Well, and and how many times have we heard within Christianity that well, just look at the Israelites and and how poorly they did in the desert. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like you got to deal with the log in your own lie. I mean, I before you start throwing things at people in the desert. <laughs> I would not do well eating the same thing every day, personally. <laughs> yeah, you know, I and I face, like, we all know that desert times really challenge us. Sure. But we also expect desert times for the mature, not the immature. Right. Mm. Do yeah. I don't know. I don't. Okay, if you would have asked, if you would have asked me that intellectually, I would have probably said, "Well, they started off going by going into the desert. The desert's going to be like that's the first thing you do. Like, of course, the going is going to be tough at the beginning. Mm. Right? You haven't. You haven't." developed the tools that you need or you know they had to learn things in the desert they had to change their lifestyle change their lifestyle they had to get out of egypt like god had to get the egypt out of them sure right? there's a sure. break-in period yeah so intellectually i would have said that but if i hadn't have stopped and thought about it and i would have just reflex response i think I'm, i might have gone with the yeah the mature are going to be hit with or, or it's going to hit everybody. You know, the rain's going to fall on the heads of everyone. So you, you're, you're talking, though, you're talking about Israel's experience with the desert. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess there's some parallels to when we first come to Christ. I mean, I honestly, I think uh, my immaturity and the things that I used to worry about, and I, I, used to, <coughs> I used to think, I hope the Lord doesn't come today, because if he does, I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> As a young Christian, you know, in my twenties, like this was my thought. I hope he doesn't come today. And and sure. And I wasn't I wasn't ready to be done doing my dumb stuff. Mm. Weren't ready to give up the uh see but in, in my mind that, that takes me to you weren't ready to give up all of Egypt. Right. Right. Think of when, what does a desert look like for a mature person? Well, it's Jesus choosing to go to the desert. Okay. It's the the temptation and saying, "Yeah, I'm going here. I'm doing it." 
I mean, Jesus chose, but I think it's just facing the, those temptations. And uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit, so I guess, mm-hmm. um, and so from that standpoint, I think in terms of, you know, Jesus, Jesus didn't fight the process. He was like, oh, yep, this is, this is what's next. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And he didn't complain. He didn't grumble. Hmm. In fact, so, he did the opposite of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did the opposite of, well, the op- not the opposite. He just, he handled it the right way. I'm going to dig into that story. Feel free. There's a nugget, a little breadcrumb yeah. for you. Yeah. So that's the problem with three. All right. The problem with three. Interesting. Don't be quick to judge. Yeah. Get your hands dirty. It's going to take some time to get that fruit. Yep. Mm, I like it. All right, all right, right. Fantastic. With that. Mike, keep running. You're doing great. Absolutely. Just keep it up. High knees, high knees. <laughs> I don't and, know uh, about that. Absolutely. Give it. Give, give her a little high knees here. It's the end of the podcast. So rambling for ten more minutes? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we'll uh, back at it with more discipleship next week. And uh, still need to get a good sign off. If you have a sign off suggestion for me, info at missionridge.church. Mm. Mike. Please send them. I can't wait to hear the suggestions. I need some suggestions. Let's get a group brainstorm going on with this. There you go. Mr. Billings, I'm looking forward to hearing from you on this. Dope. Super dope. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge Podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. That was weird. I'm not used to being the person that does that. That was pretty close to what you do, though. (laughs) That was something.